I learned how not to be a boss. I learned how, like the fire chief I served under that I replaced, he taught me everything about how not to be a fire chief. So I guess it was my chance of bringing it all together and moving forward, and I guess turning the page to a different chapter. Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Now let's get started. Everybody knows that guy. There's one in every firehouse and he's easy to spot. He knows and is happy to lecture you on every fire science topic, but he never seems to have enough time to help wipe down the rig. As Chief Brunacini reminded us over and over, Egos eat brains. That's why it never pays to believe your own PR. My guest made captain and then figured out that he'd become that guy. Ken Emol has almost 30 years in the fire service. During that time, he served in volunteer, combination, and career departments. He's currently chief of the Bayou Cane Fire Protection District in Homo, Louisiana. He's a certified fire instructor level two, and Ken Emil joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to discussing that guy. So nobody wants to be that guy, and you didn't start out as one. You were a good firefighter, but what happened as you made company officer? Honestly, I think I just became too arrogant, and I committed the fatal error of becoming self-serving. As a firefighter, I was all in. I was the, the eager guy. I was a sponge. All the things we like, and then somewhere along the way, I lost that. And what I think ended up happening, I was working for the Louisiana State Fire Marshal's office at the time. One of the things as a deputy fire marshal, when people would ask me, you know, what do you do for a living? I would tell them, you know, I diligently serve and protect the fine citizens of the state of Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, it was always meant as a joke, but I think I kind of started believing that. People would ask me, why did you do fill in the blank, whatever. And the majority of the times I'd answer because I can. And I think that really helped tip the scales from not only being a confident guy, but a cocky guy. And, and I do. I'm a firm believer that there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness. My wife hates when I say that. And I usually follow it up with it. And, you know, and it's usually not my problem that you can't tell the difference. Well, that makes the statement arrogant. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I do. I believe in the fire service. We, we have to have a lot of confidence to do what we do. And I think we skate that line sometimes. And I, for whatever reason, I crossed it. And I just became very arrogant. And even when things humbled me in life, I didn't pay attention. And I think that was the start is when I got to that point of, of crossing the line into a very arrogant, self-serving person. What made you recognize that you'd gotten to that point? 
Unfortunately, it didn't happen for a while. It was a very long time before that happened. Believe it or not, when I became the chief of the department, the entire time as a company officer was with the department I got started with, which was Thibodeau Fire Department. And when I became the chief officer, as all shucks as this sounds, our department was in a lot of turmoil. We were at a, a crossroad and I decided to apply for the chief's job. My wife asked me if I was nuts. And I, and I said, no, I, I, I really think I can do a, a good job. At the end of the day, I really felt like if, if not me, who? And I think that's what started bringing me back. And so age, I guess, had something to do with it. But the moment of clarity, if you will, for me, was I, I was teaching a class and I asked a simple question. If you were a fire chief, how would you view yourself as a firefighter? We had a lot of discussion about that. And I still, till this day, do not know what made me ask if, as the fire chief, I often wonder what I would think of myself when I was a company officer. And, and my answer was, you know, I wouldn't like that guy at all. It's got to be tough to be that honest, especially in front of other people. I think it is, but it was an awakening, I guess. And what that did was it spawned me when I got home. I got home and just couldn't sleep. And, and we were undergoing a renovation at, at our house. So my wife and I were basically living in a spare bedroom while two other bedrooms were being renovated. And she was still working nights at the time. And I just, I couldn't sleep. So I got up, went to the kitchen, and I just started typing. And probably about two and a half to three hours later, I was done. And I accidentally, I really did, my computer stayed open for whatever reason. So the next morning where I'm basically coming out of the shower and she's coming home from work, She's sitting at the kitchen table, and she says, when did you write this? And, and I asked her, she said, write what? And she's like, you know, this thing you wrote on your computer last night. And I said, uh, well, you wasn't supposed to see that. Hmm. And she's got tears in her eyes. And I said, okay, well, what, what are you so upset for? And she's like, this is what I think everybody in your life has been waiting for. So it, it was, uh, I do, I talk about that as my moment of clarity, and I think I was being brutally honest with, with myself, but it also, it made me look back on my entire career where sometimes we get upset and, and we get bogged down into, you know, you're working for a bad boss, but I learned just as much from bad bosses as I did great supervisors. I learned how not to be a boss. I learned how, like the fire chief I served under that I replaced, he taught me everything about how not to be a fire chief. So I guess it was my chance of bringing it all together and moving forward. And I guess turning the page to a different chapter. How can we tell if a firefighter is that guy? Well, I think if it becomes the person that is self-serving, is cocky and arrogant and, and doing this for the wrong reasons, if you can't serve, you're in the wrong profession. There's absolutely no room for you. I think it can be corrected. It was in your case. Yeah. So, you know, once you fall into that trap, there's a way out, you know, and it's kind of like the department that, that I'm in now, we had a culture that needed to be changed. And I had friends of mine tell me, you can't change culture. It's impossible. I, I don't agree with that. It's not fun and, and it's not easy, but it absolutely can be done. You have to make some hard decisions. Some of the people that I don't think we could have changed here no longer work here. The idea that I sold to our staff and to our department was we're a very young department and it's on us to fix. And one day 
again, as all shucks as this sounds, and, and almost to the, the point of corny, when, when we walk away from this place, we're going to get to look over our shoulder and, and look back at Bayou Kane Fire Department and say, yeah, we, we built that. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. As long as we can keep that in mind and we can keep the fact that we took an oath to serve people at the forefront of why we do what we do, we'll be okay. And, and not just us. I think the fire service as a whole. I'll be back with more right after this. It may be the most important, most impactful, and most moving podcast about firefighters ever. It's True Fire. It's about firefighters who have made the ultimate sacrifice while trying to save lives and property. This is a six-episode first season, and I've already produced a pilot episode. You can hear it at truefirepodcast.com. You'll find it to be a docudrama like none you've heard before. Now it's up to you. In order to produce the rest of the season, I've launched a Kickstarter funding campaign. It's a massive job to create this series, much more than Code 3, and it takes resources. So please go to truefirepodcast.com and click on the Kickstarter link to help me reach my goal by July 13th. It's an all-or-nothing deal, so I'm counting on you to make this happen. Let's honor these men and women and make sure the world never forgets their sacrifice. Are you saying that you uh, took over the job and found a a group of people who were that guy who were arrogant and didn't have enough humility? We did, and we just had some people that didn't know what it meant to be a firefighter. And, and we had guys that just had no clue what a responsibility of a company officer was. Within the first month of being chief, we were having shift meetings, and we were walking through our apparatus bay, and I just asked a simple question. I, I looked at the uh, assistant chief, and I said, we, we don't wash fire trucks around here anymore. And I had a captain who, who had been here for about 10 years. And he looks at me and he says, man, I just can't get the damn engineer to do anything. <laughs> so I'm processing this and I'm like, okay. So I, I kept walking and we had a, a, a rookie firefighter probably two weeks on. And he was in the corner of the station by himself, just bunking out two minute drills and just kept doing it drill after drill and just, He'd get dressed and he'd don his SCVA and then he'd, he'd undress and he'd do it again. So I sat there and watched him for, I don't know, I guess a good five to ten minutes. I said, man, this is nice. Same captain. I said, this, this is cool. He goes, oh, man, that dude's an idiot. He can't get dressed. Oh. And I looked at him and I said, uh, "Are you? what are you doing to fix that? It's not my problem if he's too stupid to get dressed. Well, immediately I called that captain in my office. He, he walks in the office and he says, hey, chief, what's up? And I said, oh, no, no, no. This is not a hey, what's up kind of meeting. I said, you know what I've just learned in the last 15 minutes? That you are the absolute worst captain, period, in the absolute period, fire service, period, that I've ever seen. And that let me know that we, we had some issues where, where we had to fix it. And I'm a firm believer that the most important person in the fire service is the company officer. So we worked with that guy to try to fix that. And we did. And, and he actually apologized for not realizing how important 
a part of his job was because, you know, he, he made a reference that we have a lazy engineer. No, I've got a bad captain. That's the way I view it. Your job to fix that engineer. And, and my philosophy was if you're too stupid that you're going to keep taking ass chewings because you've got guys that can't do their job then man, I, I really don't need you as a, as a company officer. But but I'm impressed that you actually worked with him and turned him around, given that he didn't come up with the idea himself that he was like that. That's very uh, encouraging. I, I felt that it, it was my job to do because, you know, I, on one hand, I'm explaining to him that his subordinates were his responsibility. Well, obviously, he's a subordinate to me, so he, sh- he should be my responsibility as well. We spent a lot of time teaching people what it meant, teaching our guys what it meant to be a firefighter. And then the next role was was teaching our company officers what your job is. Yeah, you're in charge of the house, but what does that mean? And some of our guys, like I said, we're a very young department. We had, we've had people that were on the job three years and they were promoted to company officers. So they were barely learning what it meant to be a firefighter and then now they're driving and then once they, they hardly even had a chance to get proficient at that and they were already being bumped up to a company office why is it that they were being promoted so quick were you guys shorthanded or did they just have a system that allowed them to do it shorthanded and the system we were a volunteer department that went to career that made the transition to full-time and unfortunately like we've had some departments around us that knew that their next step was going to go from volunteer to combination and then from combination to full paid. And what they were able to do was cherry pick and and they could go hire people with experience. Well, for whatever reason, that didn't happen here. And then once we went into a civil service system, now it's you get promoted because you have the seniority and you've passed the test. So, So you're not necessarily really qualified. Correct, correct. And what we've done in the last eight years is we've changed that. We've wrote in the state civil service board doesn't really like our department because we kind of do things our own way. And we wrote in certifications and we wrote in that you had to have X amount of classes before you could do that. And they, they advised us not to do that. And we stuck to our guns and, um, and it's, it's allowed us to, to hire and promote better candidates. So little things along the way we, we've been able to fix. And that was some of the things that helped us fix the culture was uh, the, the culture for a very young department had turned into I'm next. I, I get to be promoted. Well, we, we've changed that to where, yeah, you're next, but you didn't do what you were supposed to do to be able to even qualify to, to test. You're going to get left behind. And in some cases, some people have been left behind, but in other cases, they've responded to it overwhelmingly um, to, to the point it, it's it's just been a real positive change for us. Let's say you make company officer or even chief officer and you think you might be that guy. How can you do a self-check? I think the easiest way is to look in the mirror. And the guy looking back at you, if you're not satisfied with it, if you don't like it, if you truly are honest and all the things that that I think leads you to believe that you're becoming that guy is to change it. And, and, you know, if you don't like that person, you're the only one that can, can do it. You're the only one that can change it. I, I can tell you all day long that you're a horrible officer, but until you decide to make the change, 
uh, I guess it's it's like you know somebody that that's trying to quit smoking. I can't do it for you. I can give you all the tools. I, I can talk to you. I, I can tell you about my experience. One of the things when, when a guy gets called into my office is, is you know, the, the things you're trying, the things you're pulling today, I've, I've tried three times and got away with twice. So I, I am a firm believer that people deserve second chances. I personally have been given more second chances than I probably deserve. But I, I do believe that there comes a point in your career that if you cross the line working at Bayou Cane Fire Department, your second chance may be to stay in the fire service, just not here. And we've had that happen where we've had some guys that their, their second chance was they were given an opportunity to work somewhere else. I do believe if you stay in a constant state of learning and self-evaluation, you can either fix being that guy or you can stop from becoming that guy to me it all ends on on you being able to be honest with yourself all right kenny thank you for talking with me today on code three you're quite welcome again thank you for having me uh, it was an absolute pleasure years ago a guy named lawrence peter developed the peter principle you don't hear much about it anymore but it's still true It says that people tend to get promoted to higher and higher jobs until they reach their level of incompetence. Then they stay there. So a great firefighter might be promoted to engineer and be pretty good at that. Then he makes captain and he's all right at that. Then he's promoted to assistant chief and he's just bad at that job. And that's where he will stay until he quits or retires. He makes everyone under him miserable. It's not inevitable, though, or fatal. You can fix it. Ken did. He figured out that he was the problem, and then later gave a captain who was the problem the same chance. So what do you think about that guy? Is he you? If you're willing to admit it, I'd like to hear from you. You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash attitude. There's links to more resources there as well. Or if you're willing, I'd love to put your voice on a future show. Call me at 562-337-9902 and leave a voicemail about your experience. 567-337-9902. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.